Hey, Data Fam. This week, I'm talking with 2020 IronViz winner and Tableau ambassador Christian Felix. It's going to be awesome. Here we go. So I'm here today with Christian Felix. Christian and I have been dancing around each other for a little bit after Tableau Conference. Obviously, he's uh, been a little bit in popular demand uh, due to some data-centric competitions that went on there. Uh, But honestly, uh, Christian's a guy I've been sort of circling around for at least a couple years now. And I've only really met you, I think, once. And that was at Tableau 2019. Uh, They had the great community garden there, right? Yes, the community garden, a little, uh, let's see, uh, fanalytics. I, I think we bumped shoulders a little bit, got to chat, but there was so much going on. It was really hard to get some, as much time as I would have liked to get with you or some, some people definitely. So, I mean, it's yeah. definitely weird. Like the more people you know, the harder it is to get FaceTime with anybody because odds are yeah. you find a couple people and kind of stick with them and you might flow in and out of other groups, but there'll be people you're looking to meet or see or talk to that you'll just never actually run into despite how hard you're trying to. I know, it's crazy. There's so much going on. And I think even the, the virtual thing this year might've even been better for allowing people like make some of those connections um, with all of the virtual watching parties that went on and, and the brain dates. So um, so yeah, next time we do the in-person thing, we'll make sure we we, uh, stop that circling around and try and get some some real in-person chat time together. But this is a good uh, middle ground. Data Love I mean, podcast. That's the whole story behind this in the first place. I wanted more excuses to talk to people. And even yeah. though I only do it once every two weeks, because honestly, it's, it's too prohibitive to commit yourself to more than that. Uh, it's a great yeah. opportunity to talk to people that I wouldn't get to otherwise. Yeah, totally. I can imagine there's a ton of prep work that goes into this, a lot of scripting out conversations, right? Making sure you're asking all the important things for people. I'm sure you do that, right, Zach? Or is and you're, you're completely... deviating dramatically <laughs> from the script right now. This is all getting cut. Uh, yeah, good. Yeah. But uh, when cool. I met you last year, one of the things that struck me immediately, first of all, is you're a handsome devil from your picture on Twitter. When I met you, what? I didn't recognize you at first because it was November. It was about a week and a half in, and you had this rock and cop mustache. Yeah, and you know what? It's almost November again, so that probably has to come back. Um, I was looking; people were posting TC pictures on Twitter. Uh, you know, lead up to the conference a couple of weeks ago, and I started looking through mine. I, didn't, I don't think I ever posted any, but yeah, I, I had flashbacks of sort of the the bow nose data, bow McCready mustache. Yep. And I, I'm sort of inspired to bring that back. We'll, we'll see. November's coming up quick, though. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we're recording this on uh, Halloween Eve. But more importantly, this is uh, episode one of Mandalorian season two, which I just watched with my wife and Christian has not watched. So if this starts going poorly and he starts deviating from the script again, I'm going to start dropping things about how like Darth Vader's baby Yoda's father or things like that. 
<laughs> yeah, if I just completely drop off the call and uh, Zach goes into a 20-minute monologue, you guys will know I'm off watching Baby Yoda and Mando with the rest of my Hopefully that won't happen. I mean, the fact that you're recording this right now just shows what poor judgment you have in the first place. I mean, coming up, first of all, it's questionable to be coming on this podcast to begin with. But more importantly, you're doing it tonight when the rest of your family is almost certainly halfway through the episode at this point. No, I mean, so here's a sense of our Friday night, Zach. So I just got back from my four year old soccer game. I am now re recording a podcast, the, the Data Plus Love, the preeminent data tableau podcast. And after that, we're all going to gather around as a family and watch a little uh, Mandalorian. So it's a wild and crazy Friday night for Felix fan. Honestly, all, all that sounds awesome to me. I wouldn't be, rather be doing anything else. I think that's great. Um, but one thing you do do quite a bit of is public data visualization. I was looking at your portfolio earlier because it's yeah. really easy to lose track of what people are putting out if you don't catch it when it's coming out, but you've got 44 visualizations at this point, which is like a really solid portfolio. Like uh, what sort of, do you have stuff in the can? Like there's stuff that you know you want to work on next or do you, is there just sort of inspiration strikes and you jump on it or how does it all work? Yeah, I, I mean, so a few things there. I think it's interesting that you say I, I've done a lot because I always feel like, man, I should be pushing more out. Like, you, for example, it seems like you're coming out with something new on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. And, uh, and I just can't get into that. I can't seem to get into that sort of cadence. But I figure if I'm, if I'm um, letting ideas percolate, coming up with things that I really feel passionate about, usually one or two visits, probably more like one a month is where I end up landing. And uh, I do have a couple of things I'm working on right now that I'm really excited about, actually. So I'll at least have two more things pushed out and published by the end of the year. Um, and one of them will, is going to be a collaboration that was actually in works as of last year that we're finally just now getting back around to that I'm really excited about. So that's just exciting. Leave, that's a good throw, tease. throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about collaborative visiting. Like it's, it can be difficult, particularly remotely. Um, it can be, I've had very good experiences with it. I've done it with both Kate Schaub and Adam Miko in the past. And I had one that I was starting with someone else that we didn't really get very far on. We both had work stuff going on at the same time, but it's really, it's really exciting to be on the same page with somebody else. Like you're both interested in this idea and just see yeah. how it goes. Like, I know you've done uh, work in the past with like Kevin Flerlidge. Um, yeah. What's your methodology? Like, have you, was that your only collaborative or have you done more than one? I think that's the only one. Yeah, that's really well. So the, the let's keep things flat biz. There was a collaborative effort there with Anna Ford. And I did a lot of the visual work on that, but definitely the methodology, just the ideation, the um, the statistical um, bouncing things around and, and making sure we were um, putting something out there that actually made sense to the viewer. There was a lot of collaboration from that regard. Um, but really the fulfilled viz was, is really the only viz that I've truly um, developed in conjunction with another, another person. And Kevin was really fun to work with on that. Um, and it was super informal. There was no um, project plan or anything like that. There was just, hey, we got this idea. There was a few sketches that Kevin put together and there were some iterations. And hey, we ended up with um, something that I think both of us really were proud of and uh, something that I liked enough to put on my wall. So it's hanging in my office and uh, yeah. I'm a fan. So if you're not familiar with this viz, and first of all, I have the uh, data visualization Bible, which is really awesome. Like if you, yes. if you haven't seen that project before. I do. I have but, it um, as well. 
this is it's essentially a biblical prophecy visualization and it's like a very big sankey uh showing like how old testament uh scriptures connect to new testament scriptures like this thing was said that it would happen uh in the old testament and then the new testament of the bible this is a connecting verse essentially which uh draws that concept to a close yeah yeah. And I think, so I have the infographic Bible. It's an awesome coffee table book. There's a lot of good content in there. And some things that I, if, if I'm honest, I, I look at it and I'm like, I think myself or other people in the Tableau community could probably do a better job of what's in that book. But the whole field of, um, of theology and just bringing that to life with data visualization, I think is, it really excites me, um, particularly being sort of a, a, a theology nerd myself. And so I'd like to do more of of uh, projects like this, um, whether it's prophecy or, or something else where, where you're bringing um, theology or scripture uh, to life in the form of a data viz, because I think it's really cool. So how did this one come about? Like both the concept, like how did you and Kevin decide to do something together? How did you come up with the idea? And where did the design come from? Did it evolve or was it sort of drawn up from the beginning? Uh, so I think if I recall, and Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but if I recall, he was sitting in church one day and he's like, Hey, I got this idea it popped into my head. And then he sketched it out. And like, what do you think about, about uh, putting together something like that? Yes, this is awesome. I've been sort of marinating on a similar idea. And then if you actually go to the infographic Bible, there is, um, it doesn't look anything like this, but conceptually there is a, uh, a viz that sort of has the same Sankey flows where it's connecting um, prophecies, Old Testament to New Testament. And so I was like, okay, this, we could take this in a similar direction, albeit it'll look different and the content will be somewhat different. So, um, so yeah, that's how it kind of started. Just, I think like a lot of other things start, you're doing something else, you get an idea and you're like, I got to make a viz out of it, make it happen. Yeah. My inception viz also came out of church, although less edifying, but uh, also <laughs> bringing complicated concepts to a more simple visual acuity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think daydreaming and just, yeah, letting your mind go where it needs to go is uh, fertile ground for data visualization sometimes. So I actually envy you that you have ideas in advance. I um I literally never have an idea in advance of working on it. So I've got um I keep these graph books around with me. You can get these amazing composition pads at Target for 50 cents, 100 sheets of graph paper. And I literally only draw in them when I have an idea. I never have anything planned in advance. So okay. you're talking about how I crank like out something out once a week or whatever. It's not like I have a plan for next week. I have an idea. I work on it doggedly for maybe a day or two. I release okay. it. And then I think I'm out of ideas. I'm a fraud. I will never make another data viz. That's been going on for about three years. Uh, well, I mean, so that's admirable. You are personally, you're sticking through it for a day or two and you're getting it out. I see, see my inner perfectionist comes out and I'm like, no, I got to tweak it this way. I got to sit on it, think about it, sleep on it. And it's, it becomes way too methodical. And honestly, I have, I have a handful of viz that have been sitting in my tablet book. Uh, portfolio that are hidden and they've been hidden for a long time and they're probably never going to get get done. I should probably just because um, I didn't do what you're what you're describing, like actually put in a solid day or two and and knock them out. So it's it's really yeah. okay. I just want to tell I you envy that. you in in some ways just from getting after it like that and getting them out there. 
I think it's really great for people to hear this from someone that just won Iron Viz because it's very easy to like be on the pedestal and people look at your your amazing entry and be like, wow, I can never be that person. And then at the same time here coming from you, <laughs> you have no idea the elephant graveyard I have of ideas that are incomplete, unfinished, and will probably never be touched. First engineer, Alexander Varlamov's Pantheon Viz after TC last year and just getting completely bogged down and going on to something else. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's like many other things in life. I don't think you see all of the dirty work and legwork and hard work that, that goes into it. You just see the finished product. And it obviously, from that perspective, seems much easier than it, it is in reality. Yeah, it's funny um, talking about incomplete projects. So I uh, I work from home 100% now, like most people do, but my job is actually 100% remote since I've moved to JLL. And as such, I've been sort of cleaning out stuff and reorganizing my office and that sort of thing. And I found uh, I used to do lots of drawing before I discovered DataViz, and that became my huh. primary creative realm. So I discovered sure. this drawing I was doing. It was essentially a children's story told in the round. So it's a piece of paper meant to be turned 360 degrees and read as you navigate through the story. And it's oh. like a third done. And that's 100% <laughs> representative of all of my physical drawings. I was totally like, I would say I was an 80% guy, but I was like a 30% guy. I'd get an idea, I'd start on it, I'd become very displeased with what I was doing, erase a lot, rework it, mm. do it again and keep going. And I don't have that same gear with data visualization. I don't understand why, but it's a huge relief for me that now that I've discovered this new creative process there, and yeah. I know that, well, I feel like a fraud and have no ideas right now, eventually I will. And when I do, I'll work on it again. Uh, that's super liberating. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, you mentioned the drawing and that being a creative outlet. That's what Tableau Public's been for me. Getting into it, a couple of years ago at this point, coming from a place career-wise where it was just kind of stale, you know, even though I was using Tableau, you're making bar charts, you're doing business dashboard. Um, and so getting into Tableau public was just sort of a, a medium to, to explore some creativity and get inspired. And so, so yeah, that's drawing was that for you for a season. I think it probably Tableau public probably is now and same, same for me. And so I'm super grateful for the community and just for the, uh, the possibility to, be creative and create art in Tableau Public. And I mean, a lot of what you do, I do consider art viz. So one of the ones I I do, uh, before I have every guest on the show, I do show them my show notes in advance. Um, because if you've never been on a podcast before, you might have, you know, expectations. Or if you've been on another podcast, you may be sort of used to it being like a question answer kind of session. And I basically showed Christian, I've got five lines written in notepad here as prompts. Or alternatively, if I bring up a topic, I don't want to flub names or something. But um, in this case, one of the visualizations I wanted to look at, I do consider kind of an art viz. It's fairly sure. simple. It's essentially just some curved lines, but it's your visualizing social, social isolation and loneliness. It's a very simple one pager, which is sort of like my bread and butter. Like it's my favorite go-to. Like, yeah, yeah. What can I put on a single page, oftentimes even being totally flat, that is sort of infographic and eye-catching yeah um, where did this come from like were you wanting to experiment with this form or did you start with the data and be like how can i sort of take this and uh like elevate it beyond just doing like a a standard bar chart yeah so uh my very first viz on tableau public was on uh, social capital and 
that also was what my IronViz qualifier was. And it's in, yeah, that what we do together. And that's also the same vein of this one that you just brought up, Zach, the social isolation and loneliness. And so, um, so yeah, I'm looking at this again and it looks very, it looks kind of like rubbish and kind of amateurish and kind of like it was done three years ago, but, uh, okay. With just me, my computer books, and I don't really need much of a social network, but, um, just, you know, being involved in whether it's church, whether it's um, people at work, whether it's even the Tableau community brought me to a place where you see the value in those social relationships. And it just got me interested in visualizing data like this social capital data. And so I've always been sort of a, interested in, in looking at that data and, and understanding the how that plays out across counties, across states, because it's something that um, has gotten a lot of study and research done in, in recent years by governments and agencies and like that. So, um, so yeah, kind of a long-winded background and context on that viz. And to answer the second part of your initial question, yeah, the social isolation viz, completely artwork. It, it was just trying to explore a new graph type. And it was one of the vizs that I got done in like four or five hours. Um, one of the few that I've actually, um, yeah, been able to do pretty quickly. So generally when you're visiting then you, it's a, a longer uh, term thing is a lot of that exploratory, like trying different things out and seeing what works for that particular thing. Or are you just a lot more methodical? Yeah, I think I am. I think it is a methodical thing. I think a lot of it, it ends up being wanting to be um, artistic and uh, create something that I could hang on my wall if I wanted to. And so um, for me, that, that's something that just takes time. You know, it's not something that I can just whip up pretty, pretty quickly and, uh, be done with. So I'm okay with that. I'm not, um, on any schedule. So, uh, so yeah. So let me ask you this, and this is a callback to one of your previous comments, uh, being a perfectionist and being a methodical guy, how do you know when a viz is ready to be released? <laughs> uh, when I'm sick of it and I have to move on to other things. No, I, I think, I mean, I don't know. I think you just know. I think if you get a sense that it looks right, you, you maybe even get some feedback. I've gotten feedback on a couple of visits. That's always been valuable. Um, yeah, I think you just get to a point where it's ready. It's time to hit the publish button. It's time to move on. Uh, that is almost verbatim what I would have said. I I work on something until I just don't like it anymore. And that's yeah. kind of the point at which I release. It's like, well, I'm done with this. Like someone else might as well say, I mean, <laughs> I don't mean that as in it's bad, but like um, if you think about it as an art project and not like a business objective, art is much more subjective. And there's a point at which you're like, I don't know what else I would do with this. Like I've tried 10 different things. Um, right. I might as well stop now. Yeah. I mean, you get to that point in some projects where you realize there's a million different ways I could visualize this. I've already done half a million of those seemingly. We just, you just got to get it out. You just got to, it is what it is at this point. You just got to hit publish and move on. So, so it looks like looking through your portfolio, a lot of your, your visualization topics are sort of very people based. You know, uh, I know you've done plenty of project health visits. You've got lots of like social topics in here and that sort of thing. Is that just something that's particularly on your mind or are these things um, that you find are just a natural fit for your style or how do you, how do you choose a topic? 
Yeah, I think a lot of them are people based. I think, uh, you know, this is something that I'm doing as a hobby um, outside. You know, we're not, nobody's getting paid for what they do in Tableau Public. So for me, um, if I'm going to invest my time in doing something like that, I want to do something that interests me, that I think adds value to uh, a conversation that's either happening in culture or globally. So, um, so yeah, a lot of them are more people-based, uh, culture-based, um, geography of world religion. That one's up there. That, that was something that interested me. Um, so yeah, there's, there's people that, you know, they love visualizing perhaps lighter, uh, topics. That's really just never been been my style, I guess. As someone that released a Scrubs Viz earlier today, I can attest to that. But no, it's <laughs> I mean, that's great because not everyone has the essential like the same passions and stuff. And I mean, and it also comes down to like what do you want to visualize? Like what is is your lane? Like a lot of people yeah. might tilt their entire portfolio towards maps, like Johnny Walker. Like he's gonna visualize stuff that he can map. If it's not something he can map, he probably doesn't want to visualize it, you know. This is kind of your lane and that's totally awesome. Yeah, totally. Although there are some days like the friendship graph where you just have to do something silly and have fun with it and, uh, and get it out there. (laughs) Okay. So the friendship graph, I I remember this one, this was Uh, what leading up to iron viz. Um, it's your, you measuring like in a silly way, your relationships with the other contestants and hosts. Yes, exactly. And it was just completely tongue in cheek. And uh, yeah, just meant to be funny, just meant to poke some fun at Alex and Simon and saying, hey, you know, we're leading up to this competition. You guys are way, way below even acquaintances at this point. It's like must be defeated territory. So and it's all spawned off of the uh, the flight of the Concords. One of my favorite shows that to watch quite regularly. So so I have to say, um, based on your victory in Iron Viz, first of all, uh, Simon and Alex are both colleagues of mine at JLL. So I appreciate you winning in the sense that it preserved the internal social hierarchy, because considering <laughs> Alex reports to Simon, had there been an upset there and Alex won, it would make um, virtual water cooler um, time a lot more interesting. But yeah. uh yeah, it's uh, it was cool to have two people from my my uh, my new employer represented. That was sort of a big thing, but also the fact that you won certainly made things a lot easier. And I didn't I didn't want that for you guys. I mean, can you think of like you're saying, Zach? I mean, that's just going to be awkward going forward, right? So uh, I didn't want it to come to that. So I figured at least like it was is win, right? And there's no doubt in my mind that at some point, like in the next year or two. Somebody from JLL is going to win Iron Viz um, with the talent that seems to be amassing globally there. No doubt in my mind. JLL, somebody from that bold, not so not so bold prediction. And if and if we can't create a winner, we'll we'll buy a past <laughs> winner. So if you're looking for employment options, yeah, uh, reach on out. But yeah, it's a uh, I it is it is cool what's going on over there right now. But I mean. As I say there, I work there now. But yeah, it's a, it was a really exciting year. Uh, it was a bit of a shocker that two people from the same organization were there. And I yeah. think in a way that kind of speaks to just how like agnostic the judges are. Because like, were I sort of on the judging panel, I'd be like, guys, are we cool with this? Like, that's kind of a like a <laughs> thing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway. The visual, <laughs> the, the visual resume. So Zach's 
poking around my Tableau public profile, right? Bringing up all sorts of visits that I haven't seen in quite some. Okay. So the visual resume, this was one of the, the third uh, viz that I had marked to talk about in Christian's folder, because you see a lot of visual resumes and people Tableau publics, and you, there's even been like write-ups about them. Maria Brock's got a lot of attention. It was going around for a while. And this was one of the ones that I thought was like sort of more visually impactful. I'm always sort of uh, unsure about visual resumes as to like who they're for. Are they really just for us? Or like, uh, tell me about your visual resume, Christian. Like, uh, I can't describe it, first of all. It's really uh, stunning. There's a lot of detail on it. It's got plenty of text to help actually describe things, which most visual resumes lack, right? Like a lot of them go pure graphical. And uh, like, first of all, if I were a recruiter and I weren't a Tableau user, I wouldn't even know how to use one of those. Like this one actually reads like a resume, but also has the graphical content to say, okay, this guy knows how to make stuff look like something. But like, what's the story behind this? Why make a visual resume? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Who are they for? Um, I, I don't know. Somebody in HR maybe could answer that for, for both <laughs> of us, Zach. But, uh, but this, this was this was for me, you know? Um, so I, I, I saw all the visual resumes in the, uh, the community and I was like, I haven't looked at my resume for a little bit, probably time to update it and do it creatively. So it was just a good ref, uh, reflective process, being able to look over the course of what I've done and then put it down in a way that is sort of that hybrid approach. Like, yeah, there is some text, but there's also some uh, definite visual components that I think add to the whole experience. So um, yeah, that's kind of how it ended up. And I'm just going to spoil this for all of you. Uh, Christian and I are the same on the Myers-Briggs. He's an ISTJ. Uh, which I also am, uh, that's not because I've gone digging through his personnel records. He put it out there on his virtual. So employers can, you know, pick up on that as well. I've always been fascinated by Myers-Briggs. I I don't know if it's pseudoscience or if there's actually <laughs> something hard behind it, but it's always fascinating to compare with your coworkers. You all take the test and sort of compare against each other. And sometimes you might fluctuate a little bit between times that you take it, like how you're feeling that day. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're ISTJ too, Zach. I am, at least the last time I did it. I think I've also been like INTJ. Yes, um, as have I. But I'm not, I'm never a P. I'm, I'm never perceiving. I'm always a judging. And I would have definitely hold you as more of an E, Zach. Like ESTJ, maybe ENTJ. I think the, the STJ part really fits in line with the analytical type. Um, but to me, it just seems like you're more of an extroverted guy wanting to, to do a bunch of podcasts with people and meet a bunch of people at conferences. Well, see, that's the surprising thing. And for, for the, the limited audience of that, this podcast that already knows me to some degree, um, I am introverted or at the very least an ambivert, as my buddy David Kelly would say, because I need a uh, solitude to recharge uh, social yeah. situations while they can be fun in the moment or a drain situation on me. So like if I'm at a party or I'm at Tableau conference and stuff, if we're uh, at, I don't know, fanalytics, which is one of my favorite things and I'm getting to yeah. socialize or talking about stuff I like after that, I still have to go back to the hotel room for an hour and like chill. I need to unwind <laughs> because it's still been a tense totally. situation, even yeah. if I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I'm right there with you, my friend. I remember back in 2016 in Austin, I was the go to the conference and uh, go to the sessions and then go back directly to my hotel room and, uh, not do any of that exhausting networking type stuff. But that's changed a bit, thankfully. I'm sort of growing into the uh, the extroverted part of me. 
Well, and I think like the more people, you know, in a situation, it alleviates a lot of that pressure. So my wife yeah. is an attorney and particularly when she was early in her career and had just joined a law firm, I would be going to a fancy Christmas party, eating bougie food with a bunch of people where I didn't know anyone. And that is a very uncomfortable situation for me. I mean, uh, they serve drinks that helps a little bit, but yeah. like not that much. So I'm in a situation with it's a work situation for my wife. So I'm on my guard there. I don't want to make her look bad. And in the same time, I, I have no one that I can sort of speak to on my terms and relate to because they're all talking like legal shop. It's like when you're hanging out around a bunch of us at Tableau conference, if you're someone's spouse, yeah. it's going to be a miserable experience. Yeah. Uh, people are going to talk about like Vizen tooltip and like server schedules and it's going to be exhausting. Yeah, totally. I get it, man. At least you had bougie food. Right. Bougie food's always a plus, especially when you don't pay for it. <laughs> that, that's the biggest part. Uh, of it. Yeah, definitely. So um, I am really enjoying this conversation with you. Uh, it is well, at, at a certain point. OK, just to to lift the curtain, uh, we are having network bandwidth issues on one end or the other. So we've both turned off our cameras. So we're totally flying blind. This is like an AM radio call at this point. So uh, like uh, this is going to be one of the more interesting episodes because part of doing a podcast is being able to read the other person. So you're looking at each other, you know, you sort of know when the other person's talking and when they're going to stop talking and you can sort of, you know, read some of that inflection and stuff. At this point, it's just full on like a blind, blind. code back and forth. So we have no uh, idea what's going to happen next. No idea. I don't know where this is going. I am doing a screen share. So that's how he knows that I'm looking at his portfolio. So uh, <laughs> short of that, yeah, it's uh it's been a thrill ride here, but um, have you been, I know you've been on uh, like her data before. Like, I think you might've been their first yeah. guest, right? Uh, no, I, th I think I was, I was one of the, uh, I wasn't the first. I know that. I think I was a second. Or yeah. So I, I met, uh, I actually met Jennifer um, last year. She gave a talk to our Tucson Tableau user group about her Invis qualifier. And uh, super gracious about it, did it on real short notice, and everybody in the user group loved it. And so um, I kind of returned the favor and said, yeah, I'd love to do a interview with you whenever you guys um, can make that happen. So I got to be, I think I got to be the first um, key on her data. That's true. In terms of an interview. So there's that. I mean, there is that. And I, I really enjoy what they're doing over there. They've got this amazing collaboration. It's multimedia. Their website's sharp. I I love yeah. seeing the kind of like passion projects that the data fam comes up with, both in terms of visualization, but also the ways that that expands outward, whether it be podcasts or, you know, uh, like YouTube shows and that sort of thing. Like it's it's amazing how a like a genre of business process can expand out into so many different areas. Yeah, absolutely. And when we were having that interview, I told her, I was like, you know, looking back over the Iron Viz finalists, there haven't been a lot of hers over the last 10 years. And so you guys build this community, encourage women in their craft, and maybe next year will be the year we get a female bringing, up, bringing the trophy back. So I kind of threw that challenge and that encouragement down to the down during the interview. I mean, there are some like stone cold killers out there in the ladies department. Like particularly there's like there this are. class coming up right now um that I'm just seeing like like Priapatum uh is is among them as well as some others. Yeah. But it's like uh, I'm I'm seeing like this this whole class moving up and I'm amazed at what I'm seeing. And it's so cool to see how like 
people are standing on each other's shoulders in the sense that there are generations that have sort of cycled through at this point with different levels of knowledge and different techniques and different essentially versions of products they've been using. But also you see the different styles that have evolved out of that as people become more multimedia and you like Judith Becker has been sort of the tip of that spear, like, Hey, let's incorporate actually more like images and, and build around the image, you know? Uh, So it's, it's fascinating to see just all these new voices and new ideas and all the people that that then inspires and brings on like uh, more uh, ideas. Exactly. And I, I listened actually to the, the interview they did today or yesterday with Wendy, uh, Wendy Sheeha, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. And that was such a cool interview because I think Wendy is one of those people who has sort of an understated influence in, in the community. And she just does some incredibly artistic and creative work that I know I've looked at and I've been like, how did she, how did she do that? So um, she's another one that is that I've just looked to and said, wow, that she's doing some amazing work. Um, if there was some way Tableau could change the rules where somebody like her, I don't think China, I don't think, I think China is one of those excluded countries, but um, she definitely has some amazing talent and chops for, for data this. I mean, if nothing else, it's it's amazing to have her voice out there and to see the kind of impact that she can bring. I mean, the competition is one thing, and obviously it's always frustrating and disappointing when people that would like to be involved are unable to. But yeah. I also see like as people grow and their sort of platform expands, it's amazing to see how much influence people are able to have, uh, even without sort of some of the official honorariums that can be given to them, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the Vizies at Fanalytics was awesome again uh, this year for that. Um, just being able to watch that virtually this year and seeing some of the, like Priya, you mentioned she got, she got an award and there was just uh, Adam Miko got the uh, Michael Cristiani award. So it's so cool what the community does to recognize people who are um, just sort of generously and selflessly giving back. And I'm excited to see uh, more new people popping up at the Vizies uh, this year that hadn't won previously. And I'm expecting to see a lot more of that next year. Like I, I've won a Vizzy the past two years and I was talking with Kevin Fleurlidge recently saying, I'm not going to win a Vizzy next year. And he's like, Oh, well, why do you say that? You're doing great work. And I'm saying, no, no, no. I, I should not win a Vizzy next year in the sense that there's so many people coming up and so many people doing amazing things. I'm hoping to see newcomers like better represented in that class. Like uh, this past year, I won must run on coffee or Coke because I'm fairly prolific in what I crank out. I'm producing podcasts. I'm producing visits and stuff. Um, But so much of that comes down to, I've just kind of got a motor on me because I I'm secretly a lazy person. So I know (laughs) if I'm not doing something, I'm going to do nothing. Uh, So after the Vizzies this year, there was a virtual cocktail hour. And uh, during that cocktail hour, I was uh, zoomed in on my phone on a tripod at my kitchen sink while I was doing dishes. And I think it was Ken Flerlidge that notices like, Zach, are you doing dishes right now? I'm like, Ken, this is how you win the Vizzy for must run on coffee and Coke. (laughs) Like you're never doing. There's no stopping. Yeah. No, you're, you're always doing two things at a time. Like I'm doing this. I'm about to be cooking dinner for ungrateful children. Like I, I, I'm always doing something. So uh, there, there is no uh, rest time. So you're the type of person that probably has like a hundred different, uh, browser tabs open on your computer at the same time 
I'm shockingly guessing. not mentally yes but I, okay. I that irritates me when i do it okay so yeah. i try to keep that under control i also try to keep my desktop under control so whenever i hit a downtime at work i try to scoop that all back up and manage it but it it does sprawl pretty quickly if you don't if you don't uh stomp that down it it does and it just like it's sort of like an OCD thing for me. Like if I get to a point where I have like 15, 20, 30 different browser tabs open, they're all shutting down and then it's cathartic and I can focus again. But yeah, it's kind of like the desk clutter. If I notice it getting out of control, it's gotta be just has to happen. I feel that. So uh, as we're wrapping up today, and this has been a lot of fun and I'm sorry, it's taken us uh, years for this to happen, but as we're wrapping up, is there anything you'd like to shout out or promote? So I'm really excited. This was announced uh, at IronViz this year, the student IronViz. And so this is the first time they're doing it. Um, in Arizona, the Phoenix group and the Tucson group are going to be partnering with the U of A, hopefully with ASU, to do sort of like a webinar or feedback session for students who are interested in uh, in participating in the 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 contest, which I think the submittal date is December 20th. So I see that this is just another opportunity for the community to give back to some of those people, like you were saying, Zach, who are up and coming, and in this case, really up and coming uh, students. So there's going to be some promotion on that coming soon. And how cool would it be if it wasn't just Arizona, but other user groups would sort of take the opportunity to at least have a segment of their own user group devoted to helping students who are interested in participating in that contest in December. So just throwing that out there, I think there'll be some more PR in in the coming weeks for that, but uh, I'm excited about it. That's awesome. Uh, So I will keep everyone posted on that in future episodes as we uh, hear more about that. And uh, also uh, keep your eye on our channel for Mark Bradbourne's data business on top of all the goings on in Tableau Unity. But with that, I say, uh, Christian, thanks for coming on, buddy. I'm glad we're getting to talk. Absolutely, my friend. It's been a pleasure. I wish you the best. And thank you for not spoiling episode one of season. Baby, it is the Sarlacc Pit Monster. Data Plus Love is recorded and produced by Zach Bowders. Our music track is We Are Legends by Alex Stoner. Hey, you're still here? Um, you're probably waiting for like the next podcast uh, to kick in, probably something better. Um, thanks for hanging on. Anyway, if you're picking up what we're putting down, uh, consider buying us a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com slash D-A-T-A-P-L-U-S-L-O-V-E. Um, just, you know, drop $3 in our tip bucket. It helps us buy better equipment. It helps us uh, pay for razor blades to keep me from looking like a wolfman. And it keeps uh, Mark's head looking so shiny and beautiful. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll never put anything behind a paywall. And thanks to your patronage. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. 
And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3, and you can get more if you choose, or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one. You won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network. 